or rather the Illuminati. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me as always, Seth Farnador and Robert Stieg. I don't know by their faces if I'm lagging behind or you're just surprised that we're still doing this. Uh, you lagged for like a good second there, but that was about it. A little bit of both. Yeah, it, it, was. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like right when you, it was like, well, podcast. So we're off to a great start. <laughs> and then Love I saw thing. Eric's comment. I saw Eric's comment and just took me by surprise here. Total shock. <laughs> uh, we are off Good to saving. a hot and running start here uh, this evening, folks. Uh, we've got a jam-packed show. Uh, so a bit of housekeeping. Um, so I want everybody to download and listen to the audio version of this podcast when it's released tomorrow. There's an interview with Ben Chase, who some of you may or may not know. He is the guy who is trying to get to 70 college football games this season. I think he had some trouble uh, this evening uh, with we, his car. With, with his we, car we, killed, we killed his car last <laughs> night. Yeah. Uh, real Ferris Bueller. Uh, oh, my God. What did I do? You, 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 you killed the car. Um, vibes going on. But he was great. He was actually uh, – coming back from the Florida FAU basketball game. So we had that to commiserate with uh, terrible basketball programs. And we'll, we will touch on that here shortly. Uh, but it, it was about a, what, 25, 30 minute interview, Seth. Yeah, at, just uh, under was, like 29 minutes, just under 30 minutes. Yeah. So there's going to be a jam packed show for the podcast listeners to get your, you know, treadmill time in, to kill some time at work you'll you'll know all right if i finish this i'll be this much closer to lunch just that's just where you you really got to think about it um but uh, you know i'm going to open up to the 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 floor uh for you and steve here uh seth where do you guys want to take this show here this evening is there one pressing thing that you want to talk about and we'll get to everything else and then we'll 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 go from there you know it's it's the end of the season, man. I'm a little slap happy and I, I want the season over with. Do we want to just, do we want to talk about the SMU game? Now, Ben Trace brought some kids to that game. They got to experience the atmosphere live and the raucous crowd that attended. Uh, you want to talk about that game, recap it real quick, and then look to this week before we get into any coaching type stuff or. Or do you want to start with basketball? It's even more of a sour note. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start with the worst or the worst? Or, uh, yeah, we can recap the SMU game real quick. Um, the highlights were it was 17 17 at halftime. Low lights, uh, the third quarter, the rest of the game were not great. Um, but Brian Batie did rush for his third straight 100 yard rushing game. He's like 127 ish yards away from cracking that thousand yard uh, plateau uh, for the first time since 2018 when former running back Jordan Cronkright did that uh, buoyed by that like 400 yard performance uh, against UMass that year. That was uh, pretty remarkable. Um, so the good, um, the probably the, the unfortunate again, uh, as the podcast title kind of lends itself uh outside of crossover the season from hell uh could Travis Marsh done for the year he uh broke his neck 
Yeah, he that was a shocker. Neck surgery. Yeah, I did was not shock- expect that. That was a shocker to hear that because we were watching um, as soon as it had happened. And then, I mean, there's something that ended up being funny. It was it was funny at the time as well, but uh, not to do with the injury. But um, as soon as it had happened, we saw him move his hands because he moved his hands to his head. And so he'd move his hands. And then um, when they were getting the board out, we could see him moving his feet. So it appeared like that the worst that is, you know, being precautionary, it wasn't terrible, right? Because he he was still moving extremities. Um, So to hear that he had to have neck surgery was a big shock. It really, it really was. I thought maybe it was just his his second concussion in like a month. And that's, that's always really scary. I thought he'd be done for the year kind of regardless just because second concussion that quick um, probably hold him out. But yeah, it, it just the fact that it was as bad as it was, was kind of uh, just kind of shocking and, and unfortunate for him, you know, that he, he was okay in the first half, you know, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there. Um, but I, my thoughts are out. I think, um, I think he's out of the hospital. I think he had the surgery on Monday. And then he's from the hospital uh, Tuesday afternoon, uh, so he should be you know back resting. Um, Coach DePrado kind of described it as uh, he's in high, he's in good spirits. He's you know sending messages, video messages to the team, just kind of letting him rest, which uh, is just uh, super unfortunate. Um, Steak, uh, I know. You've always liked Trey. They thought he was a. Yeah, we. I mean, we always thought he had a solid arm, but it kind of. You you weren't you didn't see it happen. You didn't see it happen live. You were kind of off in your own world. So it's it must be a little bit jarring for you to kind of you know get wrenched back in. You're like, oh, our quarterback broke his neck. Right. It's the unfortunate part about the season from hell is that you know. The, the the thing about these injuries is that like you have to remember the yes it sucks that you're now what was your backup QB your starting quarterback is out you also have to remember this 20 year old kid just broke his neck and like thankfully it wasn't you know a bad injury I mean it, it was to the point where I was looking at you know I was I checked Twitter every once in a while while I was on vacation just to kind of see what was happening in the game and everything but I wasn't you know dial in too much and then just everything stopped like when I, I think the most the the last tweet that i think i saw was from you guys um talking about you know the stretcher coming out and like my heart sank i was like damn like not not just like this season is like being the way it is but like when the stretcher comes out like that's a scary thing like that that's schools take precautions on this stuff but like you don't just, oh, you know, Jim got a stinger. Like, well, let's, you know, throw the stretcher on or anything like that. And then, like, to hear he was going straight to TGH, you know, like, just the heart sank. Because, I mean, he's Trace, Trace, a phenomenal dude. You know, he, kid, even is what I'll call him, you know, for him to, you know, decide to come back to USF because he believed in the coaching staff and, you know, wanted to prove that he's a, he's a more serviceable quarterback than the stats were leading many to believe. And he, and he was doing that. I mean, he, he was really, helping himself out this season thus far after being thrusted into a position that probably at the beginning of the year, 
he didn't expect to even probably play that much and then to be thrusted into right. that starting role and to, to, for lack of a better term, to thrive for a little bit, you know, it finally felt like a good story was happening for USF. And then just, we were, went cream crashing back down to reality. Um, so yeah, that's, that was where I was at. I mean, I, I had to like, I, I logged off Twitter after that because like I read what happened and then I read stretch and I was like too much negativity around a 20 year old kid. I, I need to games over at that point. You know, everything's anything after this is just going to be continuously right. not great to read. So I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm out. So I, I, I deleted Twitter off my phone and I logged out of it. So that's Boy. where I was at with that. I was like, well, cause I mean, we're on the subway. So like, I don't have any other social media. So like scrub through. So I did a lot of, went through like every Instagram story for the first time in a long time. <laughs> well, I, the way the season was, and I liked when, when uh, situations are uh, sad or tense, I like to go to humor. Same. And so uh, <laughs> I turn to Nathan and I'm like, man, it's going to be something when they, the ref comes back on and says, there is no foul for targeting. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they, they pull a guy out on a stretcher. The ref comes back out and says, after review, there is no foul for targeting. And Which I guess by all accounts, it technically wasn't targeting. I I just, I never watched a play again from no, uh, I didn't some of it. our mentions. Uh, they were saying it was basically a shoulder hit him uh, kind of issue. And it, the, the thing about Trey is, you know, he, he went into the portal after last season and then he came back and basically, I mean, he made Timmy's job uh, a lot less secure coming out of spring practice. I mean, Timmy did it to Timmy, but also Trey had a really good spring, had a really good spring game and it was going to be a, a legitimate fight for QB one heading into fall camp before Gary Bohannon transfers in. And then once Gary transfers in, it's basically a two-man race, and Trey Marsh is relegated back to, all right, I'll be the backup for whoever stays at this point. So um, it's an unfortunate thing. He finally uh, finally got a shot, and this is how it ends for him this season. Um, you know, DDP was um, positive in saying that it should be a full recovery. Um Probably going to get him on the DDP yoga, oh, and go from there. See, I'll this is snake. yeah. To see, this is where I deflect with serious things with humor. That is it, folks. Um, and you mentioned Steve, the, the offense kind of clicking. We'll we'll touch on it uh, as as we preview Tulsa. But uh, I'm going to rattle off like seven or eight teams real quick and then I'll, I'll touch on it in a little bit that's that's called what we call a teaser folks uh minnesota iowa cincinnati wisconsin tulane notre dame liberty washington state and louisville just keep those in the back of your mind as we move forward um let's since since we touched on the bad part of football um we're gonna we're gonna go not in order. So we're going to hit up men's basketball mm-hmm. and we are going to discuss what's happened. Um, USF men's basketball, 0 3 for the, I would assume multiple times, but they're 0 3 to start the season. They, they lost to Southeast Missouri State uh, to open the season and then competed. And I think they were beating Auburn at halftime on Friday, end up losing. 
And then they lost to Stetson on Monday night. Uh, the Bulls are in year five, I think, of Brian Gregory. The same issues are still present. They can't hit a sh- shot from the field. They can't hit a three-pointer. They can't hit free throws. It's literally the same thing over and over and over and over again. I I, I don't – I literally don't understand how this continues to happen. Uh, you, you bring in a kid like Tyler Harris who shot like 40% from three at Memphis, and he – I don't believe he's hit a three this season. No, he hit one. <clears throat> he oh, hit good one for him. Night. Yeah, he hit one. Was, I one. think he had a 15 missed streak going. Then he it's, broke it. This program is – curse beyond belief at this point just bring in rick patino if he can't do anything about it then you know the program is absolutely cursed and you just call it a day i will say these issues transcend brian gregory too i just i mean these oh yeah no absolutely like and i know ever i mean the the blame is always going to fall on the head coach you know that's it's evergreen that's that's kind of the point. Um, but like uh, USF hasn't had a three point. Sh- I, I mean, I remember my first year at USF about 10 years ago, we didn't have a three point shooter. And I know the year before that. Well, Torland Fitzpatrick is standing up and going, what the hell, bro? He, he was halfway decent. <laughs> and then Reggie, right. Reggie, Reggie Cone before him. And then that was basically it. I right. don't think Atkins like, really shot threes. It's, it's like, I mean, USF hasn't had a good three point shooter like an actual like above NCAA average three point shooter in ever like really like it's it's astounding. I'm I'm fairly certain if if USF you know decides to move on from Brian Gregory and, and goes into this you know I don't even know what what style of offense it was, but I because I don't know basketball from left to right, but that style of offense where you just chuck threes like the shit they do in like NIA. Um, basketball where like the guy can guys can score like 98 points a game but lose like 210 to 197 or something like that like that's what usf needs to bring in just to crush all the three-point records and just to bring something back but like man like those rims are just cursed if you you do go after if you do go after rick patino i hear he handles his business very quickly so turnaround would happen in a jiffy i would imagine I mean, there aren't very many gentlemen's clubs in and around USF. You'd have to make that drive. And you know how everybody hates making the drive from USF to like South Tom Avery. So, I mean, we should be okay there. Uh, just for reference, USF is 190th in Ken Palm. Uh, the offense is 266th. And their the defense like, what, has been kind of fine, though. Defense is 120. 65. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but that's Brian Gregory's mantra that, uh, yeah. is, is, is defense. I mean, that, I mean, you brought in a guy like Tyler Harris and I think, <laughs> I think his, uh, like, I don't know if they have like defensive metrics, but I'm fairly certain Tyler Harris's defensive metrics just skyrocketed. And then like his three point percentages just did the opposite. Like they kind of just flip flopped. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's bad. Um, it, it's funny. They have like, they have like some good pieces, and it's just not enough. And I, 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 I have to stop there for a second because I was about to say something I shouldn't have. Um, it, they have good pieces. 
they have like three or four at a time. It's just not consistent. And in as much as we wanted to put faith that, you know, the, the CBI championship to NCAA tournament pipeline was going to come to fruition for USF. It, it got derailed in a way that no one kind of foresaw coming. And now we're at the, the consequences of, you know, eating a shit sandwich for basically three years. So I I'd imagine, you know, unless we're looking at some sort of miraculous turnaround, because Michael Kelly, for all intents and purposes, is is a very gracious and forgivable God when it comes to his decisions to fire coaches. Um, you know, I'd imagine if it gets to the point where, you know, you're looking at an offer on, you know, the conference um, or offer on non-conference, like you might have to just go ahead and bite the bullet on it. And you have two assistant coaches with previous head coaching experience. So it's not like you're leaving the cupboard completely barren that way. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, it's it's getting close to that time. I said it last year when they lost to South Carolina State that the program's not fine. I understand why you are giving Brian Gregory this chance. You know, at that point, like I, I get it. You can kind of see the pieces that he wants to put together, but it's the same thing with Jeff Scott. I mean, you can, you can talk about the pieces that are in place. You can talk about, you know, the, the, the effectiveness of guys like Keyshawn Bryant at times or, or how effective Ryan Conwell is, or even how well Brian Gregory's recruiting right now because they're recruiting their ass off, but the product on the court is it matching up to the standard of play that it should. And that's right. where you're going to lose faith. You know, like they got three commits and all three of these commits are really good. Actually, no, they don't, not just three commits. They got three guys signed to the program. Now all three of them are very good. All three of them had really good offers out of high school and chose to come to USF. I, I don't think that USF needs a clean house. I think they just need a new head coach. Interesting note, uh, they're 138th in adjusted shot quality, 111th on offense, which is just like a pure looking at just the quality of the shots you take. But their rim and three-point three rate, which is kind of like you want shots at the rim, you want three-pointers, right? They're the most efficient shots. They're 212th in the country in that. So more shots that's, than more threes. That's not great. And, you know, uh, Cyril Smith's uh, dad went off on Twitter uh, after the game on, on Monday uh, in a since deleted tweet said, trust me, it's time. You have real scores on the bench and you carry on with this bullshit. Dot, dot, dot. Fire everything. If I didn't know any better, I would have sworn that was a Colin Sherwin tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's his but, burner. Um, it, yeah, he's he's actually uh, Cyril's uh, dad. Um, we just didn't know that. Um, but it, uh, God, man, you can't keep doing this crap. You get like, and it, at at some point, you know, we're we're gonna have a referendum on, on Michael Kelly's job here. He's got a head coach to hire, and then he's gonna have to make a decision about Brian Gregory. And then if this will be technically his first basketball hire. You can't you can't screw the pooch on these either one of these and think you're going to be able to retain your job or get to another place. Like I know USF is kind of used as a stepping stone for a lot of people. And that's fine. If you leave it better than you brought, you came into right. And we're, we're teetering on the brink here. Some of the infrastructure things are starting to get in place, right. They're doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, You know, I think, you know, baseball's getting their, uh, 
the turf stuff, uh, softball's getting some stuff, tennis, all of the infrastructure things are, are taking place. It's just the winning on the, I don't want to say the, the sports that matter most, but they do. I mean, men's basketball and football are the ones that drive the athletic revenue year in, year out. I We are huge proponents of men's golf women's golf, men's and women's tennis, but they're not bringing in the donors. They're not driving the traffic to this athletic program. You need these two tent poles, these two pillars to be at least halfway competent. And they have not been that way in years. And it's at some point, there are going to be fans and big money donors and the the companies that are in the Bay area that figure out there's, they can do other things with their money. So this is, this is where we're at with this program. Right. And like I said, I don't think you need to, frankly, I don't think you need to look that far or that hard or that difficult to find a new head coach. Like this isn't like the, the feeling that I'm getting at least around from fans and, and, you know, we're on the programs as well is that it, it, it feels like it's just the head guy problem at this point. You know, I really liked Jason Slay. Um, you know, I think if they were going to pull the trigger on Brian Gregory, he would be probably the guy that's going to take over. Um, he's had success at uh, the mid-majors basically his entire career. So, you know, it, I, I don't think you need to look very far to find at least a serviceable replacement. Like, it's not like you, you know, like your worries about Jeff Scott, like who the hell is going to be the interim coach at this point? Like, who's going to hold the team together kind of situation? You know, I, I don't think it's too difficult of a decision. I know Michael Kelly's mindset on why those extensions happened and, you know, his thought process behind them. It made sense. It makes sense. You know, the, the good faith on the COVID stuff and, you know, making sure that you're not screwing over your guys. I get it. They were department wide extensions. This wasn't like a, a, you know, active good faith. You've been doing a good job. You're winning games and everything like that. You know, th- this, this was done as a way to kind of, give the coaches back to uh, for a difficult time, but you know, you have to at some point call spade a spade and USF men's basketball is in that situation where they're and three, they're still having the same issues despite literally Brian Gregory doing exactly what he needed to do in the off season to fix the problems. You bring in a guy that's good on the free throw line. You bring in a guy that can bring up the, the, the ball on, on four court press. And you bring up a guy that's, you know, good at shooting threes and you're still bad at those three things, that's not on the players at that point. That's on the coaching. And that's where, you know, the, the change needs to get made. Now I'm going to give this at least until probably game five or six before I'm ready to throw in the towel on them, because I do want to give them at least the benefit of the doubt on improving and gelling a little bit more and finding the guys that can score a little bit more consistently, but you are really close to running out of that good faith where normally I would give you until conference play, but I'm not even going to give you until conference play. Like if they're, if they're Oh, and six call it like that. that yep. There's no reason to keep them on the board at that point. So they uh, face Austin P uh, in, in Tampa. It's part of the sunshine slam. It starts on Thursday and then they travel up to Daytona. They'll face UAB on Monday and then they'll play either Georgia or St. Joseph's on Tuesday. Uh, before coming back for St. Francis College, Brooklyn. Sure, because that's absolutely a real school that's accredited for sure. Uh, UMass, uh, Charleston Southern, at uh, North, you're traveling to Cedar Falls, Iowa in December. 
Hmm. Is that the no? That's the that Rapids. Is that a buy game? It must be, right? Aren't they the team that went to the tournament a couple years ago? And I, it's probably a couple of years. It's probably been like ten years at this point, and they beat Kansas like that. That three point shooter. What school sure. is it? Northern Iowa. Yeah. Oh pretty, yes, that is. They do pretty decent. Uh, man, See if that's buy, if that's a buy game, they're one thirty. They're one thirty one in the old Ken Palm. If Northern, if USF beats Northern Iowa, and we see the John Rothstein tweet of Northern Iowa just lost a bye game to South Florida, pack in the fucking program. The epitome. The epitome of brutality. Of brutality. Uh, and then he's been getting that that run this year, by the way, already. Bro, it's like, been bad. It's been so bad. College. I like, mean, yeah. I mean, we could talk about USF men's basketball being bad all you want, but like, I mean, this is like. Everyone is losing by games this yeah. year. Like misery absolutely loves company. Uh, Louisville, I'm gonna double check this. Louisville has not won a game, including their exhibition, to a D2 school. Hold on a second, let me double check this. Do you think I know it's because people are? Do you think it's because people are playing more high variance basketball now, where we're just taking them? It's a lot of jump shots, a lot of three pointers. So, like, if you get hot. You can kind of stay in any game. If you're cold, you can lose about any game. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's basically college basketball in a nutshell right now. Yeah, they are 0-4. They lost to App State. So, um, yeah, I saw that uh, Louisville has, is 0-4. They've lost their last four games dating back to last year by one point. Is that about, does that sound about right? Yep. yep. They lost 66-67 to Bellarmine, who they just went up from D2 to D1 last year. Uh, they lost 72 to 73 to Wright State. And then they lost 60 to 61 to Appalachian State. Uh, keeping in mind, they lost to Lenore Ryan, 47 57. They beat Chaminade. I, I, I could have sworn that was a high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on their Chaminade uh, Silver Wolves. Sil- no, sure. Silver Swords. That's pretty cool. Oh, bad. I saw. I thought it was Silver's words for a second. Um, let's just take a venture on. Uh, let's let's go down Sil- the rabbit hole. Silver's words. Um, so while you do that, real quick, uh, I do want to touch on men's soccer. Um, so they made a nice little run uh, in the AAC tournament. They actually made it to the finals. They lost to uh, FIU, the host, who uh, since making the leap to conference from Conference USA. Right, they're they're a CUSA team. Some belt maybe I don't know. Uh, they won the conference last year at whatever conference they were in. Won the regular season crown. Won the conference tournament. They get the automatic bid. Uh, but USF will play Hosfra in the first round. They'll they'll actually be hosting at Corbett. I believe that's on Monday. Next Monday, if I'm not mistaken, um, of the first round of NCAA tournaments. The first time USF's been in the tournament since 2019 if I'm also not mistaken, or 2018. It's been a little bit. Uh, Stieg, I mean, you and I are both ready to fire Bob Uthorn like last year. Uh, we were so far out on him, and he finally was able to kind of put the pieces together. They don't score a lot of goals, but they play good defense, and they're pretty op- opportunistic. Um, it just it, it didn't pan out in the, the, the conference tournament final. They had a, they were, they threatened a little early, and then once FIU scored their their two goals in the first half, it kind of, they parked the bus and it was kind of, it was over from there. Uh, FIU is really talented. They had an all international starting lineup. 
not a single mm-hmm. uh, U.S. born player. Like they, they know what they were doing uh, down there, and I you can't blame them. Go international and you get to play Miami. Yeah, sign me up. It's and the school's still, namesake. Yeah, and still and still play a high level of soccer. Yeah, sign me up. Uh, if USF beats uh, Hofstra, I think they play the number one overall seed. I couldn't tell you who the number one overall seed is right now, but I believe I that's it's Kentucky. I'd have to double check the is, bracket, but yeah, they 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 got the they got the bad draw. Which I mean, tell me if you've heard that one before. <laughs> that's some real <laughs> women's basketball vibes right there, folks. Um, right, but, and they don't they're not limited by regions either. Like they legitimately got the bad draw of the baddest right. draws. <laughs> So there's that. Um, uh, found this out. Shamanad uh, University of Honolulu <laughs> traveled to Kentucky. Uh, they also played. Uh, they have. This is the best schedule I've ever seen in my entire life. Ohio State, Louisville, and Cincinnati. So they basically stayed in that tri-state area. So that's cool. Uh, then they then they played. Uh, Alaska Anchorage and then the University of Alaska. And do a, they host uh, the do they host the Maui Invitational? They don't. They host the uh the Hoops in Hawaii Thanksgiving Classic. Oh. I believe yeah, there wasn't it Shamanad that beat like Virginia and Ralph Sampson way back in the day. Yeah, like the biggest upset of all time of, or something like that. Yeah. It it was like the biggest upset in the history of uh, like college sports. It was like Virginia was ranked number one and they played at Chaminade for like a weird thing. Like I think their coach at the time just wanted a vacation and uh, Makes yeah, they lost. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. Why, why else would you schedule this team? On, on the company dime? On the company dime? Yeah. Oh, yeah. like it was last year. It, like the Didn't USF played in uh, Hawaii last year? Like absolutely schedule that. Um Absolutely schedule Shaman. In fact, uh, Shamanad uh, representatives, if you're listening, I might be a free agent. I might, I might, might be free agent when it comes to uh, some basketball content. I'll, uh, I'll rip it. Yep. Get me out there. As a uh, flying Hawaiian is pointing out, uh, yes, it was the Ralph Sumpson, uh Shamanad team that uh, they beat, and they were the Maui Invitational host last year. I think it was a uh, like some COVID stuff, I believe, is what prompted that change last year. If I if I recall correctly, um, I know my silver swords. <laughs> I still can't tell if it's silver words or what. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've made everybody wait long enough. Let's jump into football. Um, let's preview this Tulsa game. Uh, your South Florida Bulls travel to Tulsa Friday night, 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Tulsa is 3-7, and seven, and they're 1-5 and five in the conference. And, uh, guys, I think if USF uh, hadn't fired Jeff Scott, uh, I think if, if the Bulls had beaten uh, Tulsa with Jeff Scott, I think uh, Phil Montgomery would be uh, the, the first man out of this conference because it has not gone well for them. We've called him Diet Lemon Booty for years and years, dating back to that 22-19 slop fest that USF won in what that was 2018, right? I believe that was their last win of that season. Um, no, they beat UConn the week after. Oh, that was oh yeah, that was the uh, had to recover an onside kick to beat UConn. 
which you know in today's day and age where UConn's bowl eligible, it was a big thing for for you new listeners. UConn used to be bad at football. And I know they're a big powerhouse now, but they used to be really bad at football. And it was embarrassing that you had to recover an onside kick uh, to beat uh, Tulsa. So, or to beat UConn. So there, there's that. Um, God, this is such a bad game. Interesting note here. So earlier today, I looked at the spread. It had gone up to 14. It's back down in some places to 12 and a half. So uh, 13 in other places, but it's uh, it's moving down off that 14. So some money came on the USF, it looks like. So dead cat bounces. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so a it, delayed dead cat. <laughs> a dead cat bounces eventually. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it, it's this could still be the Philip Montgomery, uh, you know, ousting. Yeah, depending on how this game goes. Right. I mean, if losing to a uh, an interim head coach, I think, is is you know uh, falling on the sword to the most affectionate thing. But yeah, this is absolutely going to be the sickest game of the week. Like this has to be. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, this is what will be interesting here. I think sneakily, USF has a top fifty offense in the country. SP plus has them at 48. Uh, you can see here EPA margin, they're 48 rushing success rate, 39th. The USF offense has continued to be pretty good. Yeah. Red does not mean good. I'm sorry, Eric. Red is quite poor. Um, so you might have a little bit of a shootout here, which seems to be the only game USF can win would be a shootout. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if they'll win, but 14 seems like a lot of points, right? Am I the only one that feels that way? It does. And it's, no, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of points. Um, I just, I, this USF defense is so atrocious that uh, it won't really matter how good the offense is. Uh, they're 131st in SP plus this season, uh, which is dead last uh, in the country. Um, and uh, do you guys recall the names that I mentioned earlier? So yes. Minnesota, Iowa, Cincinnati, there. Wisconsin, Tulane, Louisville, Washington State, Liberty, Notre Dame. These are just some of the teams USF is ranked higher than in SP plus offensively this season. As Seth, you alluded to, they are 48th in the country. If you had just told me that stat, before the season, hey, USF's offense is going to be a top 50 offense in SP+. I would say, oh, yeah, they won seven games. Yeah, because you didn't imagine that the defense could get worse than it was last year. And yet, as you and can yet, see, the, per- and the deep purple here. so much worse. The deep, deep purple here. Uh, yeah. Purple is bad in this one. Green is good. Offensively, you can see both offenses are pretty good. I think USF, um, Davis Brin uh, is still the quarterback. I think, I'm not sure if he's healthy. He had some injuries earlier, uh, but he likes to turn the ball over. So I think defensively, you're hoping to get some turnovers. (laughs) Offensively, um, the run game has been solid. And you can see against the run, 
Tulsa's not great against the run. 86 in total EPA, 83rd in EPA per play, 85th in EPA per game. So I'd imagine with, and I know we haven't talked too much about this, uh, a new starting quarterback, a fresh, true freshman on the road, you'd probably lean on the run game a little bit, and that should be something that's successful for USF against Tulsa. So the, to me, this is a big time who wants to be there type game. Now the weather uh, being mm-hmm. what it is, maybe that deters some people from wanting to be there. But um, I think USF likes their – they came out and played really hard in the first half. They just kind of – they just couldn't hang on offensively. This Tulsa team's not nearly as good as SMU. So I think if you come out with the same kind of uh, verve, maybe you can get a lead in the first half <laughs> and try to hang on. But uh, I, I just think Tulsa, like you mentioned, their record in conference is pretty poor. I think they might, they're on a three or four game losing streak and they've just seemed to get, be getting worse for the beginning of the year. Their offense was, was lighting it up and doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're pretty bad. So I think you've got a shot here in terms of maybe you're the team that wants to be there a little bit more and really hungry for that win where right. it seems like Tulsa is kind of ready to move on from the coach a little bit. And maybe that Q word comes into play a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and just because this is astounding to me, just to go back to SP plus for a, a brief second. Uh, so I looked it up. So USF's last 10 win season was in 2017. We all know this. Would you believe that USF's offensive SP plus in 2017 with Quentin Flowers was just one spot higher than this USF offense in SP plus? Yes, because uh, Sterling Gilbert was running that offense. (laughs) You're telling me doing a halfback dive every play and a half was a... wasn't an effective offense with a dynamic quarterback. I mean, like, yeah, we could talk it, about the affectionality of, you know, scoring 30 plus points a game for a while. It was like 25 straight games or something ridiculous like that. Um, and then you scored like 12 against Houston and then like 16 against Tulsa to like close out the year. So like, yeah, I, I believe that full on. It was just it was remarkable to me to to see that in, in print and writing. Uh, but again, it's just so it's so mind blowing how ineffective the defense was. And uh, said I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we were kind of talking about how offensive guys may not be entirely the best at recruiting the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I think it's a different skill set. Like I can watch a receiver and know within like three plays, if he's a dude, at least I, I, I feel pretty confident in that I can watch a quarterback and, and what, and, and kind of know pretty quick if the guy can play or not. Um, I just remember when I was recruiting at the college level, our head coach played linebacker at Florida, played professionally, Coach Linebackers is a really good defensive coach, Jerry Odom, head coach at Tuscan still. Um, and I, I put on a tape of a linebacker. I thought they, I didn't think the kid was anything special, but I thought he was good enough uh, for us. Um, he was a smart kid, so we'd be able to get him money and stuff like that. Uh, I threw on the tape for like two seconds. He's like, no, nah, he's not explosive enough. He, he, he just needed to see like three plays. He's like, he's not explosive enough. 
And I was kind of like, really? Are you sure? And I don't think that kid's done anything in college but long snap. So he was correct. Um, so, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, maybe it's tougher to identify sometimes the side of the ball you don't play on. You, I, It's easy to tell when a guy is a stud because everybody can see right. that. It's harder to tell, like, okay, look how he, you know, look at his technique in this press, man. Like, this dude's a dog. He's going to be able to do, all, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit harder to tell in that kind of stuff um, if you don't coach that side of the ball. Um, and then we know that um, some, I think, in the football officers are a bit of size queens. So <laughs> you may not be ta- you may not be taking those guys. Uh, so so you, you might have missed on some guys that were pretty good players just because they didn't fit the kind of the prototype. So, yeah, that was one thing I thought maybe that's a symptom of kind of the issues. Maybe the guys um, – what made me think of it is – I won't mention names, but do you have some guys in the offseason that are getting blown up and talking about how great this player is? And then once the game started, you're like, this guy doesn't really do a lot. So why do they think he was the best – you know, why do they think he was the best guy on the team? He's not doing a ton when he's playing, so I don't know. That's that's where it makes me think maybe they're not the best judge. But then you've got some guys on staff that know what's up, I think. So it's just really, really bizarre. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And so I was kind of looking over uh, Tol's roster uh, show and uh, – Genuine, and I mean genuinely shocked. Keelan Stokes is still playing. So, um, it, it feels for like he leads the catches. He has 63 catches, uh, over a thousand yards down. Uh, he's always do, um, he has been their guy. They've got a couple guys with more than 30. Catches. Remember, I think. Nate is um, la- you are lagging a lot, but that was like a, oh my goodness, Tulsa's heyday. Sounds like a guess, quote unquote robot speaking Spanish. It's, it's such an ugly game. Speaking of speaking of ugly, that uh, that internet connection, Nate. Who oh boy? Oh, waiting, oh waiting that, am me. I lagging? Oh, you were like lagging crazy. big time. We caught like maybe <laughs> seven and a half words total. <laughs> That's so weird. Well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Seth, do you remember? Do you remember the picture I had uh, last time? I don't recall. Oh, uh, y'all talk. I got to figure this out. <laughs> um, Stieg, you got any? Uh, you got any leads in the old uh, the head coaching search? Who's on your hot board? Who's your number one guy? I so after after pondering on this for a couple of of hours, um, I, I'm still I'm still big on GJ Kenny. Um, I, I'm kind of moving off of the Jamie Chadwell train, not necessarily because I don't think that he's a good fit here. I just I, I think that Georgia Tech's going to back up the truck towards him, so. I'm, I'm, I feel like we may have we may lose out on that bidding war. Um, they may know they may know that already too. It's very right. it's the one good thing I thought 
uh, and I'll let you get back to your list. The one good thing I thought about um, them not being first to market, really, USF, they, they're, there's some bigger jobs that were kind of first to market on some of these guys. You might have a pretty those guys might have a pretty good idea of where they stand in those jobs. So like Chadwell probably knows already if Georgia Tech is interested and if he's interested in them. So right, um, he might be able to tell you know USF, hey man, I've already got something cooking. You guys can move on. I appreciate the interest. But yeah, and that, and that's kind of what I I mentioned it. I think in something that USF needs to call everyone early and often like this isn't like there's there's no worry about your 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 phone plan or anything like that you know give a call to a few reach guys give a few calls just to see what the what the what the market rate for your your coaching staff is you know according to michael kelly you know they had a lot of guys reach out to him inquiring about the position Mm. which isn't a total surprise for many reasons I, i i know that Everyone and their mother probably thinks that USF is just this undesirable wasteland destination, but you get paid a lot. You're getting a brand new on-campus stadium built within the next four years, four four or five years, and you have a very new indoor performance facility, and you have the entire university alive at that point. So you're just kind of like, yeah. It's a better job than it was when Jeff Scott got hired, and Jeff Scott was seen as a guy they couldn't get last time. Right. So it's a better job than that now. Uh, I have to say by by wide margin. Yeah, and, and so. I, I I will say this about the 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 names that have been tossed around, and, and Eric kind of just touched on it as well. I wouldn't put these guys in boxes and categories because we kind of have to remember that each one of these people are are individuals with different backgrounds from previous predecessors. I know that you know coming into the the Charlie Strong era or coming out of the Charlie Strong era. You know, we kind of like oh, no more retreats, no more guys that got fired, no more, no more of that. And then, you know, we still kind of have that in the back of the head. And I see it all the time on Twitter. You know, don't hire Dan Mullen, don't hire Tom Herman, don't hire, you know, these guys that have been fired recently. And then, you know, on the on the flip side of that, you know, yes, you know, hiring Jeff Scott, a coordinator without head coaching experience, you know, kind of worrisome and everything like that. You know, I, I wouldn't put these guys in a box of categories and saying, oh, he's an offensive coordinator. He's not going to make it here because he doesn't have head coaching experience. These guys are all individual and you can find instances like tenfold of a coordinator with no head coaching experience coming into a group of five program and being successful and a retread hire. You don't you don't really even have to look that far. You have to look 90 miles northeast to find a school who hired a head coach who recently got fired and was able to rebound and, and, and put it in there. You know, I think we're looking very unfortunately at two exceptions back to back to what has been somewhat considered to be the standard. And then on the flip side of that, you don't want the big splash hire either because we've seen so often that these big splash hires, the Scott Frosts of the world, like you sometimes the spotlight gets too big on those guys and the expectations are never met. And then it becomes even trickier. So I, I think at, at this point, you kind of have to just put the trust in, in the athletics administration. You know, if there's a search firm, you know, whomever it is going to be that they're going to make the right educated decision. Like they, some of the, they're, they're going to use those instances under Jeff Scott and Charlie strong to figure out if this guy 
still has the fire in him, still can make decisions, still can, you know, know the player management, know how to recruit. They, they, they gave the list of everything that they're looking for. Listen to them because that's going to tell you who they're going to be looking for. And there's a certain guy on that list that is very much what they're looking for, but may not be the sexiest hire that you can possibly imagine. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, looking back on it. And also never read Matt Baker, haven't blocked. I don't even know what he tweets anymore. <laughs> it never, um, yes, nor I. Um, looking back on it, maybe the it wasn't necessarily the biggest detriment maybe for Jeff Scott wasn't that he had no head coaching experience. It's more that he only had experience in one program. I think that's right. something that's a little – that as we're starting to see – um, Clemson continually uh, promote from within and not really get a lot better on offense. And you're seeing some Clemson guys go out away from Clemson where they've been there for pretty much their whole careers and not having a ton of success. Um, I think that only being at one program kind of limits you. So like Jeff Scott really had nothing to look back. He could talk to his dad, which is a kind of a different circumstance a little bit, but it's not like he'd been in a bunch of programs and thought, okay, I want to do it like this, not like that. This is how they do it here. I want to do it this way. I We did it this way at this school and did it this way at that school. All right, I'm going to pick a little bit from this, a little bit from that, and kind of make my own thing. It was kind of a, all right, this is how we've always done it. We had success. I'm going to bring it here. And that doesn't totally work. Sometimes it can, but, you know, it didn't It didn't work here Um and I think some of the blueprint was, you know, unattainable here in terms of like recruiting. That's why I'm not really, if like, I'm not super jazzed on anybody that's seen as a recruiter getting this job as their number one thing, because I think you're, you're the higher end of your recruiting is capped for almost every candidate except for one. Um, and he would be a tough one to get, it seems like. But I, I think the higher end you're recruiting is somewhat capped right now. And so it doesn't matter. Jeff Scott was seen as one of the top 10 or top five recruiters in the country. There's only so much you can do recruiting. I think it's got to be, to me, it's got to be a scheme based hire. Um, that's what I would do. I'm not in a position to be making the hire, but that's kind of what I would be looking for is guys with interesting schemes that fit uh, the area. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think you swing on you, you, like you said, you swing on Chadwell, you swing on Dion. Um, I think Sean Lewis is a really interesting one that nobody, I don't see a ton of people talking about. Um, I, I, I keep adding names to my board. Some of them, I think some of the names I've added recently also ended up on the latest hot board from Will, if I'm. Uh, right, like Alex Atkins is a guy I added last week. Todd Munkin, I think, is an interesting name. Actually, Georgia's offensive coordinator, uh, the coach for the Bucks, and he had some success at Southern Miss. Like he took them from a pretty bad team to a nine. I think they were one win or two wins when he got there, and he was nine win nine and three of the year he left for the Bucks, I believe. Uh, right. Garrett Riley's another one that was on Will's list today. Just as you know. I think we talked about him last week, uh, I believe, with Nick on uh, Next Level. We talked a little bit about Garrett Riley as a potential USF guy uh, last, not yesterday, but a week from yesterday. Um, and then Phil Longo at North Carolina is an interesting name to me. Um, a guy that's had really good offenses at a bunch of different places. He had um, 
you know, he was started at, or when I first saw him was at Sam Houston State, and they were really good. I think they won the national championship. Then he got hired at Ole Miss, and they were really good. That's when they had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and had some pretty good receiver rooms. And then he's been in North Carolina with Mac Brown, and you see what they're doing with Drake May at quarterback now. So he's another interesting guy, but some say maybe he's a head coach in waiting. But I think there's a ton of really good candidates. And like Steve said, you don't have to limit them necessarily to guys that have head coaching experience. But my question would be, if I'm Michael Kelly, I pretty much, I think that a bad hire here sinks me. A good hire here keeps me on, right? If he hits, if he if he knocks this thing out of the park, and they're really good in football, really fast, and they move into this new stadium, and they're really good, he's not getting fired, right? Like he's he's set. So he's got to nail this hire, and if he does, it'll be a really positive thing for him. But the question is, right? Like, if you're doing, if you have to nail the hire, are you going to go after somebody again that's not pro- not a proven commodity, right? As right. a head coach, that's where, like, what's your risk appetite if you're Michael Kelly? Are you like, you know what, this is the guy I'm going to be convicted and hire him, or is it like, yeah, he might be ready? I'm not sure. I need this sure thing because I need to make sure that if they're close, you know, I need the sure thing because I want to make sure this thing hits. It's a lot like Survivor, which is what I wanted to talk about tonight, but we have to talk about stupid football and basketball instead. I know. <sighs> I got a question for you, and we'll we'll get to we didn't do predictions last week, and I had people asking me about the predictions. So we'll actually we'll actually do predictions uh for this game. Do you remember um, my but, prediction I gave you before the game? Uh pain. No, that's what I sent my dad, actually. Uh, the young, uh, Mr. T. I said 45-21 before the game, but we didn't put it out there, so I won't I won't act like... Even though I did say it, but, you know. That's pretty good. Um, a question for you. So, Jeff Scott was, I mean, by all accounts, he was the right hire. Great recruiter at a very high-level, top-tier program. I know, Seth, you've kind of mentioned a, a few times, you don't want another recruiter. No. Is it that you don't want another recruiter that comes from a program more, that it basically recruits itself, or you just don't want another recruiter, period? Say you can, you know, your prototypical G5 program, you can recruit to that. But it's a yeah. little bit different than recruiting to – like a brand like Clemson or Georgia or, you know, Kelly, Kenny Dillingham out there and Oregon, he's a, a long shot, whatever. But if you kind of understand my, the gist there, I think more, I, I don't, I think recruiting to your style and to a smaller school is attract is an attractive thing. But when you get guys like Del McGee's a name that's being thrown out there, um, he's been thrown out for a few jobs. He was a high school coach in Georgia, did really well. But he's known as a stud recruiter for Georgia. He hasn't called plays, I don't think. Um, so he has high school coaching experience. He probably doesn't call plays. He's a sounds. He's a great recruiter. Who does that sound like? Um, sounds like somebody we know. So <laughs> like, I don't want if if the first thing on your resume is this guy's a bulldog recruiter. He's a great recruiter. Like I, I think there's an upper limit on recruiting here. Right, And it's it's not like recruiting is like this end-all, be-all when it comes to you know, USF football. Like, realistically, I, I, if, unless this guy is just the, the worst recruiter in the, this, this head coach that we would possibly be going for, this guy is just the most unlikable 
he's John Gruden 2.0. He's going to hire a guy that will handle the recruiting and handle the scouting and doing all that stuff because that's what college football programs do. So I think when you get a guy that you don't necessarily need to get a recruiter, I think that's that you're not, it's not like you're having to recruit guys to come to middle of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You just need a guy who's somewhat likable, who's not just yeah. completely out of touch with the the players around them and, and the reality that's going on around them. You know, just, just be likable. Just don't be, be likable, be a good coach. That's literally the two things that this head coach has to be and he will be successful. Well, and that, with and, that's, games. And, and like roster management is somebody talking about recruiting defense alignment. That's the kind of a roster management issue, which, you know, that's why, like, if you get a guy with head coaching experience, he understands how to manage, like, where I got to allocate my, you know, my scholarships, right? So, yeah, that's also but then something again, there. But I, yeah, I, I like you said, if you're like, this place sells itself a little bit, uh, just to, to a certain, if you have a guy in place, I think, and you have a style of play, but like recruiting to your style is important to recruiting and then developing guys when they get on campus. Um, I think is the, to me, identification, identification and development is more important than being able to go in to like a five stars house and land them. Cause I don't think that's realistic. Right. And, and to the defensive line point, it also didn't help that you switched from having only three defensive linemen to four defensive linemen. And yeah. then two of your defensive tackles didn't even make it to, you know, the first fall practice. Yeah. And then your four others are, are hurt. But that, so, yeah, that's, I mean, and that, that kind of is what I mean by having identity and recruiting to that identity. Like I know right. we're a forefront team. We got to go get these bodies or we're a three front team. We don't have, we need to take as many. Well, when you switch back and forth, you, you get, yeah, that's, that's when you get some depth issues. Yeah, it, it would have almost been better if they just stuck to the three three five, but just took a like took a different approach to it with a different coach instead of switching to yeah. a four three. Because that's why they had to go so heavy in the transfer portal. Because you only had prior to uh, you know the 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 transfer portal, you had two defensive tackles, and both of them were pretty sure freshmen. So yeah. like you know guys that didn't play football for an entire year. So like no shit, they had to go to the transfer portal. You didn't have any other choice. Like, what are you gonna do? Throw out like, uh, yeah, God bless him because he's good. But like, you know, Detorian Hansford, like having to do that, you know, switch around your defensive line like that. That wasn't, that wasn't doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, there there were so many roster management issues, but it all started from just you know, yeah, poor decision. Where's uh, where's our Desmond Watson? <laughs> he didn't make it to campus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's true that's tough that's tough hate that for us hate that for us um, we really recruited a guy that big and he didn't make it to campus oh yeah that's right Duh. actually you're um, two of them neither of them made it to campus Jesus fuck we're the unluckiest team in the- I was telling that to the guys from the Golden Hurricast which by the way that should be out uh, tomorrow or Thursday I went on the uh, the Tulsa show to talk about USF's comical injury woes and and what was happening there so a little teaser for you there yikes um let's wrap this up let's get out of here we're gonna do predictions here you've got one in one in nine usf over the conference against three and seven tulsa one in five in the conference ESPN two Friday night. It's going to be freezing. 
9 p.m. The line is what twelve Tulsa by twelve and a half. Yeah, twelve Steve. and a half some places, thirteen some places. Steve, what you got for me? Uh I'm gonna uh eat sushi with uh one of my old buddies that's coming into town. This game doesn't exist to me. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, I'm, like, still uh, I'm still gonna need yeah. prediction. I'm still gonna uh, like uh, uh, Tulsa 38, USF 33. I don't know, something weird. Hmm. Tulsa, wow, okay. That's a lot of points to give to a true freshman quarterback on the road, but uh, I dig it. Uh, uh, I'm also I'm also banking on like uh, like a Brian Batie kickoff return for a touchdown this year at some point. So, oh, they got to kick it to him first. That too, maybe Jimmy Horn. They got to kick it to him, too. The horn dog. Got to not pooch. Seth, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm going to go 38-28 Tulsa. 38-28 Tulsa. Okay. I'm a a Byron Brown believer. That's the triple B. Okay. Yeah, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say USF gets Fetty Wapped uh 3817. Um that's in play. By Tulsa. It's I love Byron Brown, but true freshman on the road at night in 28 degree weather. Yeah, they're not moving the ball that they're not he's a North Carolina kid. Come on. That's I'm sure I'm sure of it, man. <laughs> For sure. Uh real quick, uh MW is at compliance or the coach that two didn't make it to campus. It's a not going to school kind of Ooh. Thing that the campus. Did did uh did Nate's thing cut out for you too, Seth? Or is that it just did. me? It did. Say that again. Oh, oh, leave that. No, leave that. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that was so perfect. Hmm. Oh uh, my god. We'll we'll never we'll never know what the answer was. Until oh, you guys who knows our, what happened? Who until knows? You guys join our OnlyFans. Or... <laughs> you can also see the Air Bud cut. There you go. Oh um, boy. Also, uh Trick of time. I'm gonna answer that one real quick. Uh depends. We don't know yet. <laughs> Solid answer. If the new head coach might say, you know, fuck it, let's take our lumps and take some freshmen and, and run it this way and take a handful of transfers that can come in right away. But it also depends how many guys leave, which frankly, and I'm gonna knock on the wood here. No one's really left. I think they're going to Nate and I talked about this at the game. So the 30 day window is within the end of this. The end of the season is within the 30 day window. Right. So they'll probably enter after the last game, get some information, probably see who the new coach is going to be, then make their decisions. I would imagine yes. that's what I would do if I was in their position and I wasn't quite sure. Um, but yeah, they have the, the the end of the season is still within that thirty day window they have to enter the portal. So I would imagine they'll play it out and then see what happens then. Right. Exactly. Oh yeah, Greenwald was suited up. He was just injured. Uh, he was he was there. On yeah. the reason I tweeted out that he was not suited up is because I saw him walking out with the tight ends not suited up. Yes. So that's about it. Um, also, uh, it's not Gunnar Smith at the backup quarterback. It's Ryan Bolduck. The walk on, um, Cardinal Mooney came in for one. 
the way that Daniel DePrado said as such was interesting. That's something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, as he says, as of right now, Ryan Bullock is our backup quarterback when there is a technically another scholarship quarterback on the roster. So something to keep an eye on going forward. Jordan Smith. Uh, hopefully also, or also Jordan Smith. We are getting closer and closer to Steve registering points at quarterback. No one's registered points in our fantasy league since the Bethune game. And I lost that week. So there's that. Um, we we didn't good. do. Yeah. We haven't done the fantasy update in a couple of weeks because quite frankly, it's depressing. Uh, I would, I'd probably, it's probably safe to assume I won just given what Petit and Weaver did uh, over the weekend. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, Once again, but you, <laughs> you guys want to know something funny? The college football playoff rankings just came out and uh, boy abolished the college football playoff rankings in its entirety. Holy shit. Go on. Um, UCF is ranked. UCF dropped a spot to 20th. And then Tulane's 21st. Wait, what? And NC State is ranked. This is this is the dumbest ranking I've ever seen in my entire life. Did the top four change? Or is it still Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU? It's the same. Tennessee's five, LSU six. Where's Bama? USC seven, eight. Alabama eight. Eight with two losses already? Yeah, that's... Yeah, this uh, is, they're playing the long game. They're playing. Uh, Oregon dropped to twelve. Yeah, this is this is the long game of sneaking Alabama back into the top four. I think Tennessee's got them boxed out. Yeah, they probably dead to, dead to rights. I mean, Tennessee's got what Vandy and uh, I think another South Carolina. Team. They're gonna yeah. crush both. So. Although uh, Florida State's nineteen, UCF is twenty. Yeah, uh, they have um, Ohio State two, and then Michigan three. Obviously, those are going to change because of the you know the rivalry game next week. Um, but boy, does the college football playoff ranking just absolutely stink every week? Abolish yeah. this shit! Abolish the rankings, actually. Like unless Michigan or Ohio State get absolutely blown out in that game, like I don't see either one of them dropping out of the top four. It'll be interesting if if one of them does lose by a similar margin to uh let's say Ohio State it's at Ohio State this year, right? I, I would so. venture to say if they lose by if they lose by like two if they lose by two touchdowns at home. How much worse is that than Tennessee losing by what was it, seventeen on the road at Georgia? What's kind of where do you go there? They be, be interesting. The real interesting thing is one of them if some of the one if one of them if obviously one of them wins the game and then one of them loses in the Big Ten championship or LSU wins the SEC would be a total wrench at everything. <laughs> it really would. Bring more chaos. Um, all right, let's get out of here. It's going to be like an hour and a half show uh, for the, the podcast, folks. Um, thanks for tuning in. It's been a long season. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Friday we'll game. Friday game. We'll have, we have our weekend freed up. And then just one more week, guys. We can do it. Just one more week. 
thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along for Seth Steak. I've kind of been Nathan tonight. Mm. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go women's basketball. <laughs> Welcome to uh, another edition of the Blue Mountain Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Uh, joined alongside me as always, Seth Varnador. Special guest this evening, <laughs> Ben Chase. Uh, man, the, the puns are probably writing themselves. He's, he's chasing 70. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's going trying to hit 70 college football games this season. You're at 47. Uh, the reason we even have, have you on, Ben, uh, tonight is – uh, you were just at the the South Florida game uh, yeah. when they faced uh, SMU on over the weekend. Uh, the the massive crowd that was there, the great game that you <laughs> saw was probably up there with uh, the likes of uh, Ohio State, uh, some other <laughs> top notch, you know, even Florida games that you've seen uh, in, in your lifetime. Oh, yeah. So um, appreciate you jumping on and taking the time to kind of chat with us here uh, this evening. After what can I mean, we, we'll both share. In, in terrible basketball as uh, the Gators lose to FAU and USF lost to Stetson tonight. So, yeah. Brutal. Oh my gosh. It is. It was tough. I just take the, I, it's funny. I have this running theme of just taking the blaming the losses on myself and all everyone on Gator Twitter <laughs> just leans into it. So I already, I already tweeted at the four minute mark, got it banned from basketball. And the people <laughs> like, Oh yeah. We're, they're like, yeah, yeah. It, it all makes sense now. But Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I know it's kind of been reported on or you, you've talked about it a bunch that you kind of decided August sometime or it's been kicked about that. Hey, I'm going to try to hit as many games as possible to the, the two brothers that you've referenced. Uh, hit yeah. 50. And you were just like, you know what? Challenge accepted. Hold my beer. Yeah. 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 So and actually, I again, when I did that in, initial video, I didn't do too much research on the. I just was like in a hurry to get it done. I found out they actually ended up doing 57 games which is fine because I was originally chasing 60 and now I'm going for 70. And as long as Betty white, my van holds up, <laughs> we probably could hit like 72 ish or so. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of, kind of came as a fever pitch. I, I was, uh, I separated from my company like three weeks before the season started and I interviewed for a few jobs in the NIL space. I was doing NIL consulting and collective management. Uh, which like we can explain, I can talk about that too, but uh, yeah. So I kind of just decided to just go after everyone says, you know, you got to go after what you love. And for me, it was, I love college football. I love road trips. I love telling stories and meeting people. And, and now, you know, 47 games later, I'm here speaking with you guys and very grateful for that. Yeah. So where, where did your love of college football start? Is that something you, you had as a kid or did that start when you went to Florida or. Yeah. So uh, I grew up, it was just my, myself and my mom. And I actually like mostly on Saturdays, I didn't really watch college football um, at a young age. I watched mostly in, uh, NFL on Sundays. But when I was in middle school, I had a mentor that was a teacher. I didn't even have his take his class, but uh, I just like kind of worked for him on the side and like paid me to like clean his pool and go on his roof. I was just that kid in the neighborhood. And he was a USF, UCF. Uh, grad actually he was the last graduating class of FTU which is what it was really originally called and uh, he was like hey like do you want to like come help set up my tailgates and like go to the games with me and that was like when I was like uh, 11 12 13 all the way up until high school so that kind of like introduced me to this community right so like and I think I told someone today like basketball is my favorite sport but college football is my favorite tradition and so that's where kind of that spark kind of grew 
And, you know, um, from there, I, I went to Valencia for community college and then I went to Florida because like I love basketball and I knew that Florida, I need to get out of Orlando. And ever since I've been here, like I'm kind of kind of all in. It's a, it's the biggest dopamine hit. Like every game, it doesn't matter. Like if it's a HBCU, D2, like SEC, Big Ten, like for me, it's just like being around people that love something and and, and it, like it gives me so much adrenaline. And people are like, how, how are you not, how are you tired or how are you not tired? And it's like, I am tired, but like, I just know if I can get to the next place, like I'll, I'll get like that dopamine that I hit and that, that like natural juice. And so, yeah, that's kind of a long answer to your question. Yeah. So you, you gave uh, a bunch, you it was a hundred kids or. Yeah. So op- we got- opportunity to see the, a lot of them see their first game ever this past weekend. Do you remember your first game? I remember um, when I was in elementary school and middle school, the university, uh, the city of Orlando, uh, would get a bunch of free tickets from um, UCF when they were at the Citrus Bowl, and we'd get bus to the game, and we'd have lunch, and and that's kind of where this idea for the USF game came out of, right? So like, I um I read a YouTube comment that said like it was like circus bread bread and circuses, basically my story is like just a distraction from what's really going on in the world, and it's kind of like fluff piece, and it was like imagine being known as the guy that just goes to college football games and like that piece, like that, that comment I was, I read on my way to Boone, North Carolina, it's the app state like two and a half, three weeks ago. And I like, I kind of took it personal, but I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, like you can't, got a lot of, but it kept just eating at me, eating me. And the word imagine kept eating at me, eating at me, eating at me. And um, I was like, all right, well, let me see if I can do something about it. So like that, that first game that, that used to going to UCF games over and over again, like for free, like, and, and meeting players and like, I was like, if I can find a way to do that. So I literally made one phone call before I made that video announcement. And it was to Silk, who runs a big three roll-up network. And they do Florida, Florida State, Miami podcast. And I just, I called him. I actually lost reception in the mountains. I, I was an hour outside of Boone. I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing this. And then it hung up. And I was like, I like, Dang, I don't know if I can cuss, but damn it. I was like, no. All right, like let me, let me. I was like, and I was like, fast. It was faster even more because I didn't have reception in, in the boon. No pun intended. Boondocks and Boone, North Carolina. And um, so I called him back. I was like, hey, like I really want to do this. Like seventy kids at a game, seventy games. He's like, all right, let's do it. So the very next place I stopped to get gas, I made the video in the parking lot of the gas station. And I was like, we're doing this. Like this is our new goal. And within two hours, Mike Kelly, the AD at USF, like replied to my, my tweet and was like, email me. We'll figure it out. Yeah, and from there it kind of took off. Yeah, and you know, kind of, I don't know, dovetail. It probably picked one of the more exciting weeks to uh, do all of this with uh, yeah. USF fire, firing Jeff Scott and yeah, everything else. Just as that, my plan. <laughs> I mean, so it really is your fault if we're if you really boil it down. It's uh, any bad, football guys. program, or I mean, it was it was on its way out. He was on his way out before you ever mentioned it. Let's be real here. Um, I was but, just happy that at halftime it was close. The kids were like really into it. So 17, 17 and a half was like really nice. I mean, the game was, I mean, it was, it was the third hottest game of my trip. Like, I don't know, temperature wise, but like feeling wise, it was the third hottest. So like at least the game for like, you know, half of it was like a competitive game. Yeah. And I saw, I saw a couple of pictures. Uh, you had BJ, former USF quarterback and Super Bowl champion, BJ. Yes. Yeah. Uh, talk, uh, talk to the kids. What was that, that was experience really cool. like for, for yourself, for, for the kids who, probably have never seen uh you know some uh, like a true world-class athlete kind of up up close in person actually talked and talking to them yeah and that came out of um jj he writes for 24 7 sports for usf like and he's also in the booth so 
we really got a community together when I said, like, I was like, I'm partnering with the big three roll up. And I knew that his, their connections would kind of grow from there. And, you know, we actually got, um, uh, one of the running backs too to speak with the team, like on the bus. Uh, but yeah, BJ was super cool, man. He, he spoke for like probably like five and a half minutes and then took questions. And it was really cool because, you know, he, he's very realistic. Like he's very genuine. And the way that he just communicates to these kids and like, they, they all were just like in awe. And I, you know, I, I'm someone who kind of, for like, when you ask like how it felt for me is, you know, I, I kind of, there's not, there's, you're not going to see a lot of videos of me like, or pictures around the kids and that's not because i don't love i love kids but like i wanted i didn't want it to be like this guy's just making use of like the kids to like boost his mo or whatever like i very like there's a video of me like i i talked to a kid and like he was making coke and tea and like i was like can i just i like that's the only video that you're gonna see of me like with a kid uh because i just wanted it to be about them so uh, that's just who i am but like for me it was just cool to see someone that was like you know, a lot of people right now in the, like the NIL world think everything's poisoned, right? So like, like nothing is genuine, but you know, BJ is on staff and he like took, you know, probably 25 minutes of his day, like after a game, after a loss, right? Like to like hang out. And then one of the players, I don't remember his name, I'm not, but uh, he like came after the game and like came to the bus, like, which was parked in the lot. Like he walked all the way to the bus and like spoke to these kids on the bus and like, like, you know, that's, there's not a lot of like non-genuine stuff right now, but like, that was really special. And like, I, I heard from parents and, and, and like the, the leaders of these teams, like, like, Hey man, like some of these kids, like they, they got refocused today. Like they, they're like really dialed in and like, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. It was a uh, kind of something that, you know, peaked uh, set. I mean, honestly, it was kind of Seth's idea to even, you know, reach out to you. He was like, yeah, this is something pretty cool. I think it's uh, something unique with uh, within college football, especially this year, kind of probably the first yeah. year in a couple of years where everything's kind of starting to get getting back to normal yeah. through, you know, through the pandemic. So it was nice to kind of see that. And, you know, you've been to 47 places so far. Uh, so you, you're, you're more than halfway there. You, you kind yeah. of see the light at the end of the tunnel um, mm-hmm. of the 47. What's been the, the best experience. I, I know you, I, I read about the, the boom thing, jumping into the lake yeah, um, that was really after cool. the app state win. What's, what are some of the, your, your favorite memories uh, through this journey so far? Yeah. I mean, I mean, every game has something special, you know, I can talk about like, you know, um, Prairie View, A&M, like they were 0 and 8 and I was, it's a small HBCU, like, and they're out in the boondocks, like, you know, talk about no reception, like you go there and they're 0 and 8 and they end up winning the first game of the season, like one, like just seeing that pure emotional joy. And that was on a Thursday night. And then two days later, I go to Lawrence, Kansas and like, you know, there people are like, why are you going to Kansas? Why aren't you at like Clemson or Notre Dame? And or like, like, well, I was at one, I was invited. And two, like, I knew that there was an opportunity for like a lifetime, like memory there, you know, storming the field in Kansas. Like, and, you know, I met, you know, my friend is the NIL director at Kansas, but like he was working. So like, I just met, met his, his uh, fiance's friend and she's like a diehard Kansas. She has a tattoo of the, like they won the national championship on her arm. And she's like, I'm going to get like a tattoo of this like moment. Like, you know, and it's crazy to think like, a six win Kansas team it meant so much to this girl, but like, she's like, you know, it's her first bowl eligibility since 2008. She's 23. So like you gotta do the math there. She's like, she was a kid. Right. Like, so things like that. I mean, I could talk about every, like Pullman, Washington, the smallest town in the power five, like they opened their doors more than any school 
that I, you know, their student section gave me like a, a box and, you know, their athletic department gave me a tour. I got to wear a Wazoo helmet. They've never done Wazoo. Like the presidents of Wazoo or Washington state were like, we're not Wazoo. We are Washington state. And the new president was like, no, we're let's do Wazoo. And like, I got to, that was, that was awesome. I mean, I can talk for days, BYU, everyone like hates on them for not having alcohol. And they're like, don't get high drunk on the chocolate milk, but that chocolate milk was pretty good. And uh, they have like these cougar tails, which is like a donut. It's a maple glazed donut. And I t- I said one more bite, like seven times, you know, um, you know, and then I can go, I can just go back, you know, more and more like, you know, the, kind like the spark, like, you know, the traction from this trip, I would say started at Huntington, West Virginia. Like that's when the coach, the head football coach actually DM'd me and was like, get to Huntington. We'll take care of you. And like, that was wild, you know, there. And one of the, uh, one of the, the people that really set me up, like her name's Natalie. And she's like, I, I've, I've, I've gotten like adopted by a lot of mall, like, like my unofficial <laughs> malls. Like, so I have like a Marshall mom and I have a M- Michigan mom and I have, you know, now I literally have Karen McElwain, the, the wife of Jim McElwain is like, text me. I want to know what's going on in this trip. I don't, I'm not on social media. You know why? Because Florida fans are kind of mean. And she, if you don't know, Jim McElwain was the head yeah. coach of Florida. Like, so yeah. like I spent the night at Jim McElwain's house. Like I slept over at his house. Like that's, that's wild. So like, how uh, many questions so like, yeah. did you get about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from people? Oh, you can go, you can go look at my replies. That shark man. <laughs> like, like I, 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 I've, I've, I will take no McElwain slander after, after, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I met him before the game and he, you know, he's classic feet on the desk, like hanging out. And we just like, it's just, I mean, it's one of those things where he's a head football coach in the like FBS for a reason, right? Like there's only 131 of those jobs right now. And like, you know, he may not have worked out of Florida and like not a lot of people do, you know, like, uh, so, uh, but like as a person and like as a family, they, yeah. So, and I can talk about Auburn and West Virginia giving me moonshine and I can talk for days. Like, it's crazy, man. It's, it's you 47 games. It's like, you know, 90 stories. What, uh, what atmosphere has been most surprising to you? Has there been one that kind of snuck up on you and was a lot more crazy yeah. than you thought it would be? I mean, I've said before, like, you know, uh, for me, if I had to take a family at, from like four year olds to 84 year olds, I would take them to Texas state. Like, uh, you know, outside the stadium, their fraternities and like their social clubs have like rage cages, like actual, like they have par- in a parking lot where each fraternity has like probably, I don't know how, I, I don't know sizes, but probably, I don't know, like a hundred feet or so maybe like 20 yards by 15 yards, like cages. And they have like tents over them and they have each one has a DJ and one of them had like a, a mini bus with like probably 1500 cans of Natty light in it. And so, so that's like the age group for like the, you know, technically 21 and up, but like 18 to whatever college age. And then when you get inside bounce house, petting zoo, deer garden, photo booth, the, the, the lights, the recruitment lights that some schools have, like the, the let, like whatever, just there. Like it was like literally like you're at a wedding and there just happens to be a football game. And then it's Texas state. So they have all the Texas traditions. Like, they sing deep in the heart of Texas and then they go deep in the heart of Texas state. Like that was a really like surprisingly cool. Um, and then like, I mean, app state, you mentioned it earlier, just the way that their fans, you know, I, I, it's funny when I drove from DC to Pullman, uh, I tweeted Pullman is kind of reminding me of Huntington and Boone and I probably Auburn. Like these, these, there's these, there's these schools that have this kind of, 
very similar culture that is all in consuming. I'm sorry. There's a, I think they're filming. I think there's a recruit right in front of me. Sorry. Yeah. They're filming a, a video with a very expensive car. Uh, a lot of cameras. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I would turn it around, but I will, I'll keep it private, but the tag it's a, it's a Miami tag. So I'm kind of confused. Boy, Ruiz is coming at the heart of Florida right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's really getting bold. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've kind of made mention of your, your minivan, uh, Betty White. So what kind, what kind of van is it? What year was it? Uh, what year is it, I guess? Um, yeah. And what was the odometer at before you started this trip? And what is it at now? Yeah, so it's a 2017 Dodge Grand Caravan named Betty, Betty White after – the late great Betty White. Obviously, I bought her this year in April with about, I think she had like 73,000 miles on her. And I think I started the trip at 74,550 or 450, something like that. And right now, I had an oil change and got new tires yesterday, and it was at 110,471. That was in uh, Sarasota. So I've driven probably from Sarasota to Gainesville, probably like 100 and 50 or so miles. So it's probably like right at like 110,000, six or $700. Yeah. So I've, I've driven like 36,000 miles. Maybe. That's a, that's a lot of driving, man. Uh, do you have, yeah. do you have AAA? Yeah, I have AAA in my, my credit card. I have like a, like there's like emergency road trip travel stuff on there too. Good. Good. Don't want you to get stranded and uh, kind of segueing into this week. You've got a, a busy slate. You you posted that, uh, I think, today. Yeah. Uh, so Tuesday, you're you're going to be at the Bowling Green at Toledo game, which uh, yeah. sure is uh, 995 miles from where I'm currently at. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a lot. And then uh, Wednesday, Miami of, uh, of Ohio at NIU. And that's, I kind of did the quick math. That's like a five hour drive from that's Toledo like, to, yeah. Yeah, that's easy. It, the, middle of the week, yeah, the, it's a little tough for you. Not going yeah, to lie to you. The Maxion Tuesday, Wednesday games are actually like the easiest part of the schedule because I actually can sleep between the two of them. Right. Um, but the, the rest of them, like, I probably won't sleep much. So, yeah, like, yeah, from the next, like, and it's funny, those two games are both, like, the barstool games of the week. So that I'm really hoping to kind of connect with someone from their team because they're going to be at both games. Like, and they, I was, I got second place to, you know, Mike Leach for barstool or whatever, football guy of the week last <laughs> two weeks ago. So it's like, come on, help me out, guys. Uh, right. So I'm hoping, yeah. So then, yeah, so from Northern Illinois, I go to Tulane, which is, I don't know, 14 hours, maybe 13, 12, I don't know, something yeah. like that. And then from Tulane to two, Tulsa, which I don't think is too bad. It's Six 11. 11? Oh, okay. it's pretty bad. And then uh, Tulsa. So and, yeah. you're, you're driving 11 hours to go see this USF football team again, which uh, there wasn't another Friday night game, like a high school playoff game or something that you would have rather – I mean, I I, I got to get as many college games as I can. I'm sure there's other Friday night games on the West Coast, but, like, I can't teleport. I really Jeez. honestly wanted – I'd love to go to that Montana-Montana State game, but, like, logistically, I already committed to going to Oklahoma. And also, Betty White, I don't want to test her in, like, snow. So, I got really <laughs> lucky. I actually got really lucky at times going from D.C. to uh, Washington State, I guess, between two snowstorms. So – that's pretty good. It's gonna be it's gonna be chilly on Friday with the bundle up. I think game time temperature is like twenty eight degrees uh, for that Tulsa cool. USF game. So it great, gets co- it gets cold. So uh, I will. Just it'll be. I've be I've, uh, I've brought I've brought a blanket into 
three, two or three games now. So I will bring a blanket. In. I have no shame. I will bring blankets. And then Saturday, you kind of wrap up the the week, uh, so to speak. TCU at Baylor, and then that's games at noon. And then you got Oklahoma State at Oklahoma at seven, and that's just a four hour drive. I mean, that's a scant. That's a scant yeah, and that's drive for I, you. I I didn't have the TCU game uh, originally. Um, I only had the Oklahoma game because my, my friends actually play basketball for the Sooners. They're the starting, they're starters for the basketball team, the Groves brothers. They're transferred from Eastern Washington. I told them I would get to a game. Uh, but I was like, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that's just like very sicko right now. And I, I know that next year, this, this, this record or this journey is going to get easier because they're adding more games in October. So I wanted to, I know this will be the first Saturday game that I do a double header where I know I'm going to miss kickoff. I've done, I've done five Saturday double headers and I've made sure I've gotten to both. I've never missed kickoff on those days. I've missed a few kickoffs like on the trip, but that's just because things that like I can't control. And also like, I'm okay. Like, the latest I've been to a game is like the four minute mark of the fourth quarter, first quarter. So like I'm there for over three quarters for every game. And I still stay, stay to the end. And I've only probably missed kickoff for like, like four or five games, which I don't think is too bad. But yeah, yeah so that, that, that'll be like, uh, it'll be, it'll be, I'm going to run and like, uh, I'll probably pee in a bottle in my car. On the <laughs> yeah. That was going to be my next question. It's like, is your stipulation, your rule? Like I need to be there by kickoff. Like, do you leave, you don't leave these I, games early. This is just like, I'm, if I'm there, I'm there. Yeah. I stay till the end. So like, I know that, you know, there's always like the viral Twitter or like tw- TikToks or like they storm the field at two games or whatever, which like, obviously you stay for one game. So you get the other game, but then there's people like, there's like, I think, um, I think there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's people that will go and like go for half and then go to another game. I, you know, I, I still to the end. I, I mean, if, if it's the Florida a game, like, you know, when it's not me doing psychopathic things like this, like win or lose, like if they're down by 40, like I don't leave ever. Like, it's just like, I, if my team is suffering, like I've decided that this is my life. So like, I will suffer. With <laughs> you the will, team. you, you will suffer um, with them. That's, uh, are you sure yeah. you're not a USF fan? Because man, that is some that's some sicko shit right there. That absolutely yeah. some I, USF fans do. I, I I feel like I should uh, hit up uh, Mike Kelly to see if he'll give me a ticket. I don't have any tickets for this week right now, so I got to figure that out at some point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they'll give them away at Tulsa if we're being honest. I mean, that they're I, they're yeah, a school I, of like three thousand people, and like twenty five percent of their school population is on the football team. It's like a, it's an insane ratio of students ratio. to football player. You know, what's funny is that game will be the first game where I've seen both teams. Like I have the, the, I, the up to this point and it's, it's fitting. That makes sense. That's like, it's like the last week of the season, every other game I've ever been to and on the schedule for at least this week. Like I haven't seen at least one of the teams, but that mm-hmm. game will be the first time I've seen both team, both teams. Hey, I know you've got to kind of hit the road here. A cut just a couple more. Uh, so are you going into bowl season or a, a hard out at that end of the regular season? No, my, my schedule goes all the way till January 9th, which is like at this point is 57 or 56 days away. Well, how about so that? What's the plan after? Is it, um, are you going to get back in the NIL game or are you kind of push in? This is like almost like a demo reel for you trying to get into this kind of thing full time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, I, um, I found some opportunities and, and, and different things reach out to me. Uh, I, I don't know yet how the future is going to look, but I'm not really worried about it. Uh, you know, like for me, it's like, I'm kind of just living in the moment. You know, I, I, like, uh, this, this, the story's not over for me, you know, and I don't know, like, I mean, obviously like 
you know, two and a half months ago when I was waiting for jobs, like there, you know, I had a dream job circled and I was like, you know, if this one, if they don't call me by Monday, like I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to do this trip. And like at this point, you know, if, you know, Barstool or ESPN or whatever saw this clip or whatever and said like, this is a cool concept. And I, in my head, you know, there's an opportunity where like, I pitch a show that's like, it's called unofficial visit. Right. And like I get, I go, I have like a weekly college football show or college athletic show on Monday. And at the end of the show, I say, all right, see you on Thursday, Gainesville. And on Thursday night or Thursday, I get there, I go to a popular restaurant bar. I like shoot the shit with people and like hang out, tell stories. Friday, I'm on campus, like meeting administrators, meeting coaches, meeting players and telling that story. And then Saturday is like the story of the game and whatever traditions they have. So like if an app state, like they win, I jump in the pool, jump in like duck pond. Like, like that'd be a really cool show, I think. Like, and it would kind of be like the Anthony Bourdain of college sports. That would be unreal to me like if that you know like you said yeah. like a, a re, this is like a real like a, a real uh so like i don't know that that that'd be really fun i think uh i don't know if you guys would watch it but i'd hope that there'd be a a, a small audience enough to like pay my bills <laughs> i'm in i'm i'm in for it yeah yeah it, uh, uh yeah it, it's sometimes college football can be a little segmented. Like, you know, the South kind of stays with the South. You don't really see, you know, Pac-12 gets, gets a bad rep, but they've been the, – the conference as a whole, yeah. generally speaking, this season's been really good. Uh, they've got yeah. USC, UCLA this weekend. That should be really fun. Uh, so it's that, that kind of balance, right? And uh, I'm excited to see where what the future holds for you. Um, where can people kind of, you know, help out in your journey? What, you know, I'm sure, yeah. you know, what – nice uh beer or you know a, a nice coffee or something wouldn't uh go amiss for yeah, for you i never yeah i never ask for money uh but some people are very stubborn and make sure like for me it's like if you just throw me a follow on instagram or, or twitter at benji chase and like you see my i every week like you guys mentioned i post like a the pics like the the map of where i'm going i i i, I get really dialed into like the draw like that destination but if, if you're anywhere on that map or if you're at one of these games or like in this town's like that i'd rather you just like reach out to me and be like hey like i you know just like people at this point think like i'm overwhelmed with messages i'm not like you know i maybe meet like one or two people at games and that's like the people i like to hang out with and uh, i like to meet people that love the game and like you know i've had 200 people like venmo me or like buy me a beer and that's awesome like but i you know, there's a lot bigger things in the world to me. Like right now, like when Orlando, we just had a hurricane and like, you know, like if someone is like, I know I'm going to Venmo you, like, that's fine. Message me and we'll figure it out. But like, for me, it's just like, if you see my schedule and I'm on your, on the way to your trip or near school, like hit me up. Fair enough. What's been the cool, I know I saw Applebee's kind of reach out to you. What, is there any, any other big ones that have uh, kind of st- stood out to you that uh, maybe some corporate, uh, you know, corporate dollars. Lackey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I did a, a $500 deal with TickPick uh, for one tweet and one um, TikTok. And that was like week. I was at the beginning of the season. The, I actually filmed the TikTok uh, on the field at Lane Stadium. Like I, I snuck into the stadium uh, and did it. But, you know, Applebee's, I'm trying to figure out what we want to do. Like I emailed them and kind of on the hold. Um, one of my friends works for another, uh, like, <laughs> Uh, sports style sports bar place and she saw the applebee's thing it's i've been like do applebee's but we also would like to do something with you so you know i'm not going to name it right now but like that'll probably be in the works um because she was just like what do you want to do and it's one of those things for me it's like you know they can give me money or whatever but 
I kind of like after this USF thing, you know, the, the thing I pitched to Applebee's was like doing basically the same thing, but at the curable in Orlando, cause that's like where my hometown is. Um, and they, they kind of sponsor it. So that's, that's kind of where it is. Like I've accepted that you know, I'm going to be a few, like, this is my last semester of college debt, uh, as a joke. <laughs> uh, but like, it's one of those things where like, I, I know that after this trip, like it's an investment in whatever the future holds. And like, I have no regrets and maybe I'll write a book and maybe I'll, have, I don't think there'll be a movie cause there's not really a love story publicly, uh, but like, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with that. All right. Well, uh, again, Ben, I appreciate you, uh, jumping on, talking to us, uh, make sure what's, uh, what's a, what's a good place to follow you. What's a, what's your Twitter handle, Instagram, yeah. TikTok, the whole spiel. Yeah. I guess I should have did it. Like you guys have on yours. Like it's just at Ben G chase, Ben Gator chase, easy to remember. Um, it's a little, just the letter G and you can hit me up. And again, like I'm very grateful you guys hanging out, hanging out with me today. Like everyone's like, I don't have like, you know, people think I'm getting blown up, but I'm not really. And I also, I, I make time for anyone. I don't even know how many people watch your thing. I don't really care. I've been on podcast <laughs> with like three people. I've been on podcasts with, you know, 300 people. So like, for there's me, dozens just, like, of us. With, yeah. Yeah. There's dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's dozens of us USF college football sickos that'll drive 12 hours. Yeah, but I uh, know I'm super grateful. And uh, if you guys ever want to, maybe at the end, like can follow up or after this game, I can just talk about more USF football. <laughs> You're becoming an expert, unfortunately <laughs> for you. <so. laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you, Ben. Uh, appreciate you hopping on uh, drive safe to your next destination, uh, a little over 900 miles away. Have fun uh, with some action yeah. on Tuesday. Well, I'll say go bulls and go Gators. Appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, I, even though I root for the home team in my heart of hearts, I will be pulling for the Bulls. There you go. I appreciate it. All right.